God grades on a curve. And then you have someone like Adolf Hitler or Jeffrey Dahmer or Charles Manson who cuts the curve really hard so that you're better than that person, thus you are righteous in the eyes of God. And the reality is this, the best person in here, the person in here who has made the least amount of mistakes is still radically in need of the righteousness that they cannot do on their own. We all think that we're pretty good, and the temptation is, if we believe in an afterlife, to think that being a pretty good person is good enough for God. But when you're honest with yourself, you realize that you probably fall short of God's standard. This is what Pastor Daniel will be teaching about today. You'll hear about Abram's journey of faith and how God accepted Abraham's simple belief and trust and bestowed righteousness on Abraham. Now here's Pastor Daniel in Genesis chapter 15 as he continues his message, The Abrahamic Covenant. So the reality is this, God loves a cheerful giver. God's so cheerful in his giving, he gave his only begotten son, the most valuable thing to God in the world, the most valuable person he gave up for us. And it's interesting, Abram comes back, He just gives. Gives a tenth to this man, Melchizedek. Now, look what happens in verse 21. It says, Now the king of Sodom said to Abram, Give me the persons, or literally the souls, and take the goods for yourself. But Abram said to the king of Sodom, I have raised my hand to the Lord God Most High, the possessor of heaven and earth, that I will take nothing from a thread to a sandal strap. And that I will not take anything that is yours, lest you should say, I have made Abram rich, except only what the young men have eaten and the portion of the men who went with me, Anner, Eskol, and Mamre, let them take their portion. Wow. So Abram's got all these goods. The king of Sodom comes and all he wants is the people. Now, you guys know Sodom and Gomorrah, have you heard about it? It's a type of the evil of humanity. It's interesting that the king of Sodom, all he wants is the souls. That's how Satan is. Satan doesn't care about the stuff. He wants the people. That's what he wants. He's like, look, I want the people. You can keep all the goods. It's interesting. Right after, right after a great victory, there's temptation for Abram. He gets to take all the goods. But it's interesting what he says. Abram says, listen, I have raised my hand. I have worshiped God, the God most high. And I have said that I will not take anything, anything, lest you should say, I made Abram rich. I love this. Abram doesn't want what men can give him. He wants something greater. Abram does not want someone to say, this guy is blessed because I gave it to him. A lot of us want to be blessed the way men can give it. But it's interesting. The way Abram battles this temptation is because he's been worshiping. He's been worshiping, and that helps keep him from this moment of temptation. And it's fascinating, because what Abram also says, he's like, look, all that I'm going to take is what the people have eaten and the portion of the men who went with me. So he's like, I only want the guys who went with me, the food that we already ate. But notice what he says in verse 24, let them take their portion. 
The end of verse 24 is fascinating because Abram says, look, I'm not going to take anything, but I can't make the decision for somebody else. We cannot force our faith on other people. And we cannot expect other people who don't believe as we do to live as we think they ought. And I think that it's very sensitive of Abram not to say, listen, well, none of us are keeping anything because I'm the ringleader here. He says, look, I'm not taking anything, but these guys have to choose for themselves. And that's an important distinction for us. We live in a day and age where there's some people who want to impose our religion on people. I think that that's an error. The Christian church historically has already tried to force people to convert. And we call that time in the church's history the dark ages for a reason. A relationship with Jesus is a personal choice inspired by the Holy Spirit followed up by a willing spirit. And we can't make somebody believe. So if you're the kind of person, and listen, I can be a little pushy with people sometimes. Like I'm the kind of person with someone I know, listen, you got to stop resisting Jesus and just get right with the Lord right now. I mean, what are we waiting for? I like to talk to people I know that way. Be like, you know you're just resisting the king of glory? You know what you're doing. Stop. But the reality is this. We can't force people to believe. We can only say, listen, there's a seat at the table waiting for you if you're willing to pull up to it. And you're going to make your own decisions. I can only encourage you to follow Jesus. Now, as we go into chapter 15, now we get into what is commonly called the Abrahamic covenant. Look at this. Chapter 15, verse 1. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, saying, Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. But Abram said, Lord God, what will you give me, seeing that I go childless? And the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. Then Abram said, Look, you have given me no offspring. Indeed, one born in my house is my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, This one shall not be your heir, but one who will come from your own body shall be your heir. Then he brought him outside and said, Look now toward heaven and count the stars if you are able to number them. And he said to him, So shall your descendants be. And he believed in the Lord, and he accounted it to him for righteousness. Now you can imagine this. Abram gets back. Everything settles down. And Abraham's sitting there and he's thinking to himself, man, I just defeated these five strong kings. They might come after me. And he might be thinking, darn, I gave up a lot of money. You guys know what that's like, right? Like you do something righteous and then you realize what you just passed on as well. And you're kind of thinking to yourself, man, maybe I did it wrong. I mean, I could have used all those goods. But I love it. the Lord comes to him. And says, don't be afraid. I love that. Those three words, I'm sure, for somebody in here today. Just don't be afraid. Why? He says, I am your shield. He's saying, Abram, I'm your protector. Don't worry. And not only that, he says, I'm your exceedingly great reward. He's like, listen, my riches that moth and rust cannot destroy... That thieves cannot break it and steal. I am so much more valuable than anything you gave back to the king of Sodom. I love this. He's like, look, don't be afraid. I'm your shield. And don't worry about what you gave up. I am of way more value. I'm an exceedingly great reward. And then Abram, he's struggling here because he's saying to himself, Lord, 
What will you give me seeing that I go childless and heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus saying, look, Lord, you promised me an heir. And right now, if I were to die, Eliezer of Damascus, who was my servant, he'd get everything. So he's saying, Lord, this is all great, but come on, God. Let's get this thing done. And I love what the Lord says in verse 4. And the word of the Lord came to him saying, this one shall not be your heir, but one who will come from your own body shall be your heir. He's saying, look, you're going to have an offspring. God, the people in the land, over and over and over again, Abram is getting reminded that there's going to be a people and it's not going to be Eliezer or Damascus. It's going to be an offspring from his own body. And the Lord takes him outside in verse 5. He says, look up at the heavens, count the stars. He says, so shall your descendants be. I love this. It's like, look up. Do you ever try and count the stars? Probably not since you were a kid, right? That's things that kids do. And you know what? We should start doing those things again. Jesus said we should be like children. You can't count the stars. There's just too many. He's like, Abram, that's how many descendants you're going to have. An innumerable multitude. Look at how beautiful this is. Because chapter 15, verse 6, is actually the John 3.16 of the Old Testament. Right here. And he, Abram, believed in the Lord, and he accounted it to him for righteousness. Romans chapter 4, Galatians chapter 3, and James chapter 2 all bring this verse out. Essentially, there are two types of righteousness. One that is accomplished by our own efforts, which is right living, and one that is a gift bestowed by God. There are two types. Abram believed the Lord, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. So the idea here is what justified Abram was his faith in God, his belief in God. He believed in God's promise, even though it sounded absurd, and God accounted it to him as the gift of righteousness. This is the John 3.16. You're going to find this coming over and over and over again in the New Testament about Abram, the father of faith. He believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. And listen, I need to make this point because we live in a culture that says, I'm a good person, so eternity is mine. I call that spiritual entitlement. Because I am not as bad as the worst possible person I can think of, thus heaven is mine. We think God grades on a curve. And then you have someone like Adolf Hitler or Jeffrey Dahmer, or Charles Manson, who cuts the curve really hard. So that you're better than that person, thus you are righteous in the eyes of God. And the reality is this, the best person in here, the person in here who has made the least amount of mistakes, is still radically in need of the righteousness that they cannot do on their own. That is the Christian gospel. The Christian gospel is not do better and God will accept you. It says God has accepted you because his son did perfectly in your place. God did for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. Jesus died the death that we deserved. And he lived the life that we can never lead. And on that cross, he became us. And if we believe in him, we get robed in his righteousness. And the Christian gospel is not do better and God will accept you. It's 
God will accept you in Christ right now, and then he will change you from the inside, and the response of that change in your heart is you doing better. We don't change. We don't do good works to get saved. We do it because we're saved, because God is changing our hearts, changing our motivation. That is the Christian message. And I know there's a lot of us in here today. You want to clean yourself up so that you're acceptable to God. And listen, you will never clean yourself up enough to be acceptable by God. If you're really honest, you change that action and your motives are all jacked up. And so are mine. If you're even remotely self-aware, you realize you do great things and your motives are all wrong. You help somebody in need and you look around. I wonder who is there to notice. Right? You're really pious when someone is watching, but when nobody's around, the thoughts that pass through your mind are renegade, rebellious. The Christian gospel is this. Don't try and clean yourself up. You can't do it. Believe in the free gift of God, the person of Jesus Christ, dead and resurrected, and then the Holy Spirit will indwell you and change you from the inside out. That's the Christian message. That has been the good news of the love of God in Christ Jesus for us. Abram believed in God. He believed in what God had promised. He believed in what God was going to do, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. We are saved by grace through faith, not of works, lest anyone should boast. That's how Abram got it done. That's how people, for as long as humanity has been alive, has gotten it done. That is how God expects us to get it done. And what is faith? Faith is just the hand that received the free gift of God. If I walk up to you and I have a huge gift, and it's wrapped up, and it's got bows and everything on it, and I'm like, hey, this is for you. If you turn around and walk away, you don't get the gift, right? Even though I bought it for you, even though I wrapped it up for you, even though it looks great, it's there for you. Unless you reach out your hands and say, thank you very much, Pastor Daniel, that's mighty kind of you. Those hands that receive that gift, that's faith. The gift is Jesus. All we do is reach out our hands and say, thank you, God. That's how it happens. A gift with your name on it from the almighty God. Will you simply reach out your hand and say, thank you. Thank you, God. And man, that's an awesome gift. Now, in verse 7, some strange things start to happen in this chapter. Because look what happens. Then he said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to inherit it. And he said, Lord God, how shall I know that I will inherit it? So he said to him, bring me a three-year-old heifer, a three-year-old female goat, a three-year-old ram, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. Then he brought all these to him and cut them in two down the middle and placed each piece opposite the other but he did not cut the birds in two. And when the vultures came down on the carcasses, Abram drove them away. Now when the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abram. Behold, horror and great darkness fell upon him. Then he said to him, Abram, know certainly that your descendants will be strangers in a land that is not theirs. And they will serve them and they will afflict them for 400 years. And also the nation whom they serve, I will judge afterward. They shall come out with great possessions. Now as for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace. You shall be buried at a good old age. But in the fourth generation, they shall return here. For the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. Now you think to yourself, huh? 
It's kind of a strange turn of events, right? See, what's going on here is this. Abram just got the promise about the offspring, that he's going to have as many as the stars in the sky. And then God reminds him, not only are you going to have people, and I'm going to be your God, but you're going to get a land. He brings it up again, and Abram's like, Lord, how will I know? I mean, come on, Lord. You're saying you need to give me this land. And the Lord asks him for all these animals, a three-year-old heifer, a three-year-old female goat, a three-year-old ram, and a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. Right? He asks for these offerings. And what does Abram do? He gets all these things, he brings them, and he cuts them in two down the middle and places them opposite each other. We're all sitting there like, huh? Now, let me explain this to you. In those days, this was something that was called cutting the covenant. This was a very common practice back in Abraham's time. They would take animals and they would split the animals in half and they'd put them on each side. And then each of the parties would walk through it and agree to the terms of the covenant. The symbolism was plain that this covenant is so serious that it's sealed with blood. And if you break the covenant, let the same bloodshed be poured out on my animals and me. That's what it means. It was a symbolic act. We think that's crazy. Our symbolic act is we shake hands. The handshake agreement. You're making a covenant. In that culture, this is how they did it. So Abram gets the things. He separates them. And what happens? God delays. Huh. Abram gets every, everything God wants is there. He's got all set up, and God starts delaying. And the vultures start coming, right? They see these dead animals. They're thinking, mm-mm, buffet time. And the vulture, and Abram is shooing these vultures away. And as the night falls, then Abram gets completely terrified in a deep sleep. Now, I need to make a point here. Brothers and sisters, listen. God's delays... The problem is not with God's timing, it's with ours. God is the band leader. God sets the tempo, not us. See, it wasn't time. Why was God delaying? Because God wanted to explain something to Abram. He's saying, look, your descendants will inherit this land, but before that happens, they're going to go and serve in a strange land for 400 years. And then God's going to judge the nation. And then afterward, you shall come out with a great possession. What is God telling him? He's saying, look, before you possess the land, you guys are going to be in bondage in Egypt. The reason God delays is because God wants to give Abram more revelation, more than Abraham expects. He says, look, they are going to get this land, but before that, they're going to go into bondage. I'm going to judge that land with a great judgment. And this is all speaking about the book of Exodus. We'll see. Notice. In verse 15, it says, Now as for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace. You shall be buried at a good old age. But in the fourth generation, they shall return here, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. Wow. Do you realize that the reason God had the children of Israel in bondage for 400 years was because he was waiting for the iniquity of the Amorites to be completed? It wasn't just about the deliverance of the children of Israel in Egypt. It was also about God wanting to judge the nation of the Amorites. And God was waiting. God knew that he was going to be long-suffering for a long time until this point. And then he delivers them out. 
So fascinating. God's delays is to give further revelation. They're not purposeless. So if you're waiting on God, rather than just waiting for the fulfillment of what you believe he's promised you, why don't you say, well, God, while you got me waiting, why don't you tell me what you're wanting to tell me? Let God's delays be fruitful, not frightful. Don't think, man, I think God forgot about me. No, maybe God wants to give you more revelation than you can even fathom by delaying. Now, in verse 17, And it came to pass when the sun went down and it was dark, that behold, there appeared a smoking oven and a burning torch that passed between these pieces. Wow. As the sun goes down, now God shows up to cut the covenant. A smoking oven. You think about that smoke, it speaks of the... In church, we normally say the Shekinah glory. If you were speaking Hebrew, it would be the Shekinah. In Hebrew, the accent's always on the last syllable. Okay? So we say Shekinah, because that's the way we speak English. In Hebrew, it's Shekinah. That's the way they would say it. That's the visible presence of God when they prayed for the newly dedicated temple. Smoke filled it. So these are these tangible presence of God. You think of the burning torch. Think of God as the refining fire. You think of Moses at the burning bush. God revealing himself in fire, consuming fire with Elijah. Look what it says here. That this smoking oven is burning torch that passed between those pieces. It never says that Abram passed between the pieces. Why? Because this covenant's a one-way covenant. It's not predicated on Abram's faithfulness because God knew he couldn't be. This is all about God's faithfulness. And brothers and sisters, that's exactly what God did for us at Jesus. That's a one-way covenant. God knows we can't keep the terms of it. That's why he sent Jesus in our place. It's not if he's faithful or if we're faithful, then we're only going to get in because all of us know we're not faithful, right? The Bible even says even when we are faithless, what? He is faithful. He cannot deny Himself, And then it says, we'll close right here, verse 18. On the same day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, To your descendants, I had given this land from the rivers of Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates, the Kenites, the Kenizzites, the Cadmonites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Rephaim, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Girgashites, and the Jebusites. Now we get the land from the great river, from the Nile, the river of Egypt, to the Euphrates. So from Egypt all the way over to Babylon. That's where the land is and the land of these ten nations. The different ites, Kenites, Kenizzites, Cadmonites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, Rephaim, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Girgashites, and the Jebusites. I love this. God, the people in the land. God reminds Abram, he promises him about the people. And God reminds him about the land makes him a promise about the land, and God keeps that covenant. Jesus is real. The idea that God would use the way that men made covenants with one another to make a covenant with Abram is fascinating. Pastor Daniel shared how important this type of covenant making was to the people of that time, and the seriousness that it indicated. That helps to give us an idea of how important it was and how Abram didn't make the covenant. He received the benefits of the covenant. God made all the promises. All Abram had to do was agree with them. 
Hey everybody, this is Pastor Daniel, and I want to be honest with you for a moment. Life is messy, and the hard reality is, if it isn't messy for you now, it will be, and it probably has been in the past. Did you know that you can still thrive in tough times? It's true, but only through the power of Jesus. That's the purpose behind my book, Honestly. I want you to know how to keep living your best life in Jesus, no matter the circumstances. You can find out more about it and get your own copy at JesusIsRealRadio.com. Hey, I wanted to remind you that each day on Facebook, Pastor Daniel shares a simple two-minute message. In this message, Pastor Daniel draws out an important biblical truth really helps set your day on the right path. So be sure to follow Pastor Daniel Fusco on Facebook and share these two-minute messages with your friends and family. Next time on Jesus Is Real Radio, Pastor Daniel will begin his teaching, Ishmael. This will be the introduction to one of the decisions that Abraham and Sarah made that impact the world to this very day. You're going to hear about the pressure that they felt and how responding to that strain in a way that was culturally acceptable at the time, but wasn't what God wanted to do and ended up poorly for You've been listening to Jesus is Real Radio with Pastor Daniel Fusco of Crossroads Community Church. Pastor Daniel will continue teaching through this series called Patriarchs. That's next time. Until then, may God bless.